The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Yeah, I can't type and text at the, or type and talk at the oh, same time. <laughs> he's handling the chats. Hey, guys, welcome to Failure to Stop, the number one podcast where first responders and civilians do something together. I don't know. We were trying to decide that backstage. But anyway, welcome here, guys. It's Tuesday night. It's your crime show night. I am Andrea up late, and with me is Dead Leg Media. How's your day Aloha. been? It's been crazy. We had construction here locally without doxing myself. There are only two roads to get in and out of my apartment complex, and they had them both closed. And there were no detour signs, no nothing. So I did a little off-roading earlier and got my lunch. Wow. What you've got a good oh, but you've got a good vehicle for that. Yep, we we have four runners. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We know what's up, Dad. Well, all right, guys. Welcome to Tuesday night. I see you guys in the chats. You know I can't read them and talk and think and process and sing all at the same time. So uh, we're just going to kind of get into it. The case tonight that we don't have any like actual case updates from stuff that we've covered. Some weird stuff's going on in the news. Um, I'm sure you guys saw, you know, lately the headlines. We have the whole, what was that? The The looting and the riots and all that in New York. And there's been all sorts of crazy stuff going on, but in terms of cases that we've covered here, we don't have any further updates on any of that past stuff right now. Uh, I did post something on Instagram the other day about uh, Dylan Rounds. I, we keep talking about him. It's just so tragic. The 19-year-old farm kid out in Utah, it was last. It was May of last year uh, that he went missing. Ultimately, someone has been charged in his murder, but they've never found the body. And uh, it's just one of those that's... Uh, you know, so, so strange. So no more clues on that. We, we know the guy did it. We just, we don't know what he did with him. So if you guys have any thoughts on that, there was some cave talk and weird stuff earlier on. Um, but anyway, so I digress. Our case tonight starts or happens in the year 2020 and it's the case of Elizabeth Santos. Josh, have you ever heard about this case? No, not until about maybe two or three hours ago when I started pulling audio for it. Exactly. It's not, I had not either. Uh, and it is really under reported it. So they'll talk about, it's only three years old. I understand that, but usually guys, and we want to almost sometime do a podcast on true crime podcasting. Cause I'd like to talk about it because some of the inconsistencies you find, um, I've said before, I would rather just say less than say something incorrectly. Uh, but I get a little OCD with it. So I kind of go over the top with what I want to report, but I want to say all the right things, right. And, and make sure I'm conveying correct information to you. So in saying that, uh, I will listen to a million podcasts on whatever case I'm covering. And in the meantime, I read a million pages and print out and write, and it's a whole dead, just actually called it a book report every week. And that's what it seems to be. Um, but in saying that, I only found like one or two podcasts on it. There are there is some more coverage on YouTube um, about this case, but it really it was a whisper. I think it made one headline when it happened, and it really um, 
it's surprising when you hear the details. You think it would have made more of a stir. Uh, it's very interesting. It's a case that takes place in Wasilla, Alaska. Um, actually, that's where Elizabeth lived and the actual um, her death took place in Anchorage, which was about 45 miles away. But since we always do this every week, we will chit chat a little bit about the year 2020, which I think most of us would agree we'd rather forget altogether. Um, so in the year 2020, we'll talk about some pop culture. <clears throat> Excuse me. There wasn't a lot except for what you both will you all should remember is what do you think exploded during COVID in terms of TV, Dad? Uh, we had Tiger King was big back then. Yeah. Tiger King was big. Uh, Stranger Things. Well, Stranger Things was already big, but Stranger Things really, really started going, getting going. Those are right. two the top right right off the top of my head that what people went nuts about. Exactly. So Tiger King, first and foremost on my list, it's the train wreck that we couldn't stop watching. Um, I'll let you in on a little secret that it's terrible. And I try not to be exploitative on this show. I also know what the people like. And whether you hate him or not, you still like Joe Exotic. He is in prison. He is currently attempting even with a felony to run for president. Um, I believe lately he wants to uh, debate Joe Biden on climate change. So I'm here for it. And uh, I will do what I can to get Joe on the show or at least get, get a recording with him. Some kind of, some kind of conversation. It's in the plan. It's not even a joke. I'm trying. So we'll see you guys. Um, what else? The show love is blind became a hit. Uh, did you ever see, so that's when we had a lot of the celebrities. I think the only thing kind of cool in that sense that came out of COVID was a lot of the celebrities did like the vlogging and stuff. And some of it was pretty cool. I know my kids got into the Jack Black one. He's hysterical. Um, and John Krasinski from, of course, The Office and then everything else after that did his, what is it? Some good things. Is it some good things? Yeah. Some good some, news. Some good, some good news. It was great. And he'd put on a suit and tie and sit at a desk in his house with artwork that his kids drew behind him and just talk about like happy things that happen throughout the country. It was really cool. Um, and then TikTok exploded in popularity in the year 2020, which while I can't stop scrolling it, it also drives me nuts because I think people have adapted a way of talking and moving and clicking and doing and that all comes from TikTok and it drives me nuts. Um, Schitt's Creek swept the Emmys. Did you watch Schitt's Creek? Nope. We got to nope. get you on it, Dad. Got to get you on it. All right, guys. In terms of crime that happened in 2020, this was the year that they found the remains um, in the Chad and Lori Daybell case. So if you remember, her kids had gone missing. She married this man. They get into this kind of a cult-like relationship. Um it's bizarre. They start talking about zombies come to find out. They thought the kids were going to kill them. They thought they had to get rid of them. Uh, either way they went missing, I believe in 2019 and it was in 2020 that they found the remains of those children. Um, let's see here. I don't know. I say we get to it. What do you say, Dad? I'm ready. I'm bored with 2020. Nobody wants that mess again. Right. There's a few riots. We got rid of uh, Paw Patrol, got rid of Aunt Jemima, a couple other things. Um, yeah, because that, that helped. 
we're, we're so much further here three years later. <laughs> it did. It changed everything. Can't you tell? God, I'm so glad. If only, if only we knew that to uh, change the artwork on a stick of butter would change our lives. Um, all right, guys. So Elizabeth Santos, she was a 37-year-old woman who at the time of this in 2020 was living in Wasilla, Alaska, but she was actually originally from Florida. She was from the Miami area. Uh, she was the second of, okay, then say it. David J's in the chat saying that I'm pronouncing, what is it? Wasilla? What is, I'm not from Alaska, David. Wasilla? I, that's what I was saying was Wasilla. And he said, I was saying it wrong. Spell it phonetically in the chats, David J. Wasilla. Either way. Okay, I'm done with that. So uh, she grew up in the Miami area. Like I said, she was the second of four children. She had two sisters and a brother. Um, at some point, she had a friend that traveled to Alaska. And the friend came back and just really sang its praises and talked about how beautiful it was. And um, so then that really sparked Elizabeth's interest to check it out for herself. So she did. She went up on a trip fell in love. She wanted, she loved the change of pace, the scenery, the whole shebang. So she eventually made her way, uh, back home and packed up and went back to Alaska to live. So while she was there, um, she got a job at a club. She eventually got a boyfriend. Uh, his name was Dustin. And finally by 2020, they had been together at this time for about nine years. So she moved to Alaska, uh, in 2010. So about a decade later, she and Dustin break it off. They, there are some rumors that when she broke it off with him, she was concerned that he would find her where she was uh, and potentially harm her. I will go on. Spoiler, he's not implicated in this case whatsoever. So before you get, you know, like the boyfriend is the suspect stuck in your head. That's just not the case. There are some interesting points to make about him later. But again, he's not ever been a suspect in this case. Um, in fact, her death has never been ruled a murder. So it's also never been ruled a suicide. So let's, let's see what that actually means for Elizabeth. Um, so they had been on again, off again for quite some time. So she decides to go stay with her friend, Lizette. Her friend lived in Anchorage, like I said, about 40 miles away from Elizabeth's home. Now, Lizette lived in a duplex with her 22 year old son. All right. And his name was Desmond. Um, they had worked, Lizette and Elizabeth had worked at the club together for about eight years. So they considered themselves good friends. Lizette accounts for that later on and says she knows Elizabeth well. Uh, but after she stayed there for a few days, uh, dead going and queue up number one, if you will. Lizette called 911. And it was there? like a domestic dispute. It was kind of like a domestic violence type call. Uh, and she she calls them to say that uh, Elizabeth is acting strange and she doesn't know what's going on. Uh, let's go on and play that 911 call. Um, my friend has um, had like a mental breakdown and she needs an ambulance or she, she needs to be, she needs, to go to a hospital for something. Okay, what exactly is going on with her? She's downstairs, but I'm, I'm scared now. I, 
I woke up to her just screaming, and, and she ran out the door, and then she came back in screaming hysterically, and then she, uh, I, she, it, it's like she doesn't even know what she's doing. She, she like, attacked me. But she had, I've been thinking this was happening for, for uh, a few days. So. Did she, um, are you, do you need an ambulance yourself, or? No, 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 no. All right, and um, so were any weapons used? No. She came here, she recently, she didn't have her medication, and um, she went to pick it up yesterday, but she has been unable to sleep for a few days. She's not on drugs or anything like this. Okay, and what's your friend's name? Alrighty, so that call was made to 911 at 610 on the morning of August 8th. All right, so 610 a.m. At 6 a.m., we're going to talk more extensively about it later, but 10 minutes prior, multiple neighbors in that on that street had heard screams from a woman. So officers Yoon and Estella, these were the patrol cops that get the call and show up at the house. Uh, Like I said, it was a duplex. And so, you know, they don't ever describe it as a split level, you know, a split level is when you kind of walk into the home, you can either go downstairs to living area or upstairs to to bedrooms and whatnot. They do say that there are a couple of bedrooms right when you walk in the door on that ground level, um, but the rest of the home is upstairs, meaning the living room, kitchen, and another bedroom and bathroom are all upstairs, uh, which is, I think, generally what you don't, you don't picture the kitchen and things to be up there. So that's how this house was set up. And that's important as we talk about it a little bit more. So the police did note when they first get there that plants were knocked over and that things were in disarray. All right, so it's at this time that Lizette kind of whispers to one of the officers that Elizabeth made this mess. All right, so they feel like they're responding just to a domestic violence call. That's what they've been told. Lizette assured them that she did not need an ambulance, but that her friend was having a mental breakdown and was just seemed to be unstable and was incoherent and not making any sense whatsoever. So they start going through the home and they eventually find Elizabeth. She was lying on the floor upstairs, not very far from Lizette's bedroom door. Uh, She was wearing nothing but a robe was a pink robe and she was barely conscious at this point. She was a bit incoherent Uh, I don't have a tape of it, but there is a recording from the body cam of the police officer of them asking her name. She kind of is whispering, but she says it and then she spells it very clearly. So she's she has her wits about her to a degree. She's answering questions, but she doesn't look so great. She's looking like her like she's starting to um, wane quickly in her health. So. Uh, Like I said, she's lying on the floor there and they see what they describe as small cuts to the inside of her right thigh. To be precise, two cuts to the inside of her right thigh. They believe immediately that she scratched herself and they say as much. As soon as they see this, they tell Lizette that they think Elizabeth is having a drug overdose or a drug interaction or reaction. Uh, They think that's why she's behaving this way and they think that she has cut herself. They immediately say that they are self-inflicted. Uh, maybe it feels quick to offer such strong opinions on the matter, but that's what they seem to believe. That's what it seems like they're looking at. Um, there was a pocket knife 
that was folded shut that was lying not very far from the stairs and also meaning not very far from Elizabeth. So Lizette was telling authorities that Elizabeth was has a history of mental illness and that she sometimes doesn't take her meds. But the authorities continue to say they're verbalizing that they believe, again, that she's reacting poorly to drug use um, and that she's that's got to be what's going on. She continues to say that Lizette continues to say that Elizabeth does not partake in drugs. Other She will occasionally use marijuana. It's legal in Alaska. But in terms of anything hard or different, she doesn't really take to any of that stuff. She did say that earlier in the evening, Elizabeth couldn't sleep. And she said that Elizabeth banged on her door and begged Lizette to give her a couple of Benadryl to help her go to sleep. And so Lizette said that she did give her the Benadryl. And she says that Elizabeth had been acting unstable in the days leading up to this. Um, Again, police are just kind of not really listening to her on this part. So police call the Anchorage Fire Department. And that's how they went on and requested the paramedics to get there. So now Elizabeth is moving. They say... When she does move, it's kind of erratic movements. They never, I've never seen verbiage that says she was combative. Uh, She doesn't really seem to have her strength about her to be such. So she is mumbling. She is sometimes incoherent, sometimes making sense. Um, I think to discern when they say she's incoherent, it's not that she's like out of her mind. She's just like out of energy, like physical energy. She's not doing well. So they went on and cuffed her. So they put handcuffs on her while they wait on the paramedics. And I mean, okay, I, I wasn't there. We don't have, we don't have footage of Elizabeth. We don't know what she looked like or what she was doing, but based on the actual report, like the verbiage written doesn't sound like handcuffs were necessarily needed. Either way they do. They say it's for her own safety. That's fine. EMS gets there a little after six forty-six. So let's back up. We heard a woman scream at six o'clock in the morning. At 10 after 6, we have 911 call, and now it's 646. So the cops came in 646. The ambulance is there. So they did ask her what hospital she wanted to go to, and she was able to answer them clearly. Um, This will be the last thing that actually Elizabeth ever says is the hospital that she wanted to go to. Her condition deteriorated pretty quickly after that. So evidently, when they asked her if anything hurt, she didn't notion to her head. She didn't have any visible wounds to her head, though. So they get her into the ambulance with an IV at 6.58, so like 12 minutes after they got there. So we're making decent time here. But then they stay there for another 37 minutes. Um, No one knows. I don't see any accounts that they were like starting CPR. Sometimes things like this happen that might kind of hold up the the movement or the transport. Nothing says that. That time's kind of not accounted for. But for 37 minutes, they sit there. And then as her condition declines, they start to leave. They get to the hospital at 736 in the morning. Um, When she arrives, she was in a pulseless state. They were able to regain her pulse there with CPR. And they immediately then see the blood. They see all the blood and determine that she's going to need emergency surgery. All right. So they get her into the OR. Um, So they now... The, it, everything I read says that like the medical personnel were a bit confused because the report they had gotten, of course, from the first responders was what they had gotten per the 911 call. And it's interesting to me, and I want to get your opinion on this in a minute when I finish this portion, Dad, but that 
the it's one thing, I guess, if the police officers get there and their job is not to assess for injuries necessarily like that. Like they're not going to cut her robe off and look at her from head to toe. They're waiting on the paramedics. I understand that. But then the paramedics do get there and they actually spend quite a bit of time with her. Um, and when she gets to the emergency room and then ultimately into surgery, they find that she not only has these two quote scratches, they're actually cut marks on her inner thigh. She has nine more of them in her abdomen on the right side. Uh, this was not the report they got when she got to the hospital. So she gets to the hospital. Um, like I said, just before 8 a.m., she's taken into surgery. Uh, this was quite a bit to go without some care. And the hospital notices then, like I said, that she had stab wounds. And eventually they call Anchorage PD to let them know of this update. And Anchorage PD decides to go on right back to the house. Um, I don't know. Do you find that interesting that these wounds didn't seem to be caught or assessed prior to her arriving at the hospital? I'm trying to think of back as some situations that there was a situation that I had that for sure, after I actually like really looked at it, you could see what was going on. But in the, in the heat of the moment, sure. no, I, I pulled over this, this car one evening, this guy was flying. Like he was moving. Like I got behind him. It's 2 AM. I'm thinking for sure we're either getting a chase or I got a good D. Like I got something good here. So I get out, come up. He pulls right over though. Get up. I come up, I go, do you have any justifiable reason for this? He says, my wife's pregnant. She's going into labor. And I said, okay, well, you're not a doctor and she's not with you. So there's no reason for you to speed. And she goes, he goes, oh yeah, she's with me. She's in the passenger seat. Well, he's a black guy and the female was a black female and she's in the passenger seat and she was wearing all black sweatpants, it's black sweatshirt, black sweatpants. And she was very much in the process of giving birth to their child. So we got an ambulance to the side of the road, but in the heat of it, there's no way that I could have seen all the blood and all the stuff over there. So initially, if it was dark, the victim in this case is a black female. If she's wearing a black robe. I, I can see initially pink robe. And, pink robe, but even at pink robe that you're going to see discoloration, but you're going to see something. But the time you move her from where she's at and landing wherever she was at to the ambulance, that's there's 30 minutes of that. I can. I can account for, I can account for that. You know, you, you pull up on scene, you're going to take five minutes, six minutes to get up there. It's Alaska. I don't know what time of year it was. Got to get on scene. August. You're going to talk with, yeah, you might have snow. Like by the time, like they're getting snow as we're within our, like we could get snow here. Our first snow is usually the first couple of weeks of October. So we're, we're right it's in insanely it. Insanely depressing. Colorado. I know. But like I can, I can see some time, some taking time to get up there, some time to evaluate. Because if you're trying to evaluate her, so they're going to ask her questions, and if she's not really coherent, she's not really fighting them back. But they're trying to put a blood pressure cuff on. They're trying to get that, and she's moving around. Like I can see where some of that would take time. And then they finally look to each other, like, all right, we're going to quit dicking around here. Let's get her in a cot. Let's get her in an ambulance. So the time they get her in an ambulance, let's get her all the way there. They're doing like I can see them not wanting to expedite but at the same time i've got there are certain things that i'm going to see and if she's already lost this much blood like they've said is there blood anywhere in the apartment like is there if she's that got this is much, a wonderful question the, because then it depends the on who yeah it depends on who you ask that's a great question and that's one of the pieces of this case that uh is going to make you want to beat your head against a wall and when i say depending on who you ask i mean depending on the people who were there it changes down to the reports, down to what we are told by police, down to what then the, the 
chain above, like the superiors that, that weren't there at the time have a different thing to say in terms of was there blood or was there not? Was her robe soaked? Was it not? Uh, were chairs knocked over? Were they not? So all of these things are conflicting at every turn. And I don't mean at different sources that I read. All the sources are saying the same thing. And it's that the report based off of the verbiage, based off of then things that we learn later, none of it seems to go together at a lot of turns. So let's talk about this. So the police um, before, so the police then are headed back, right, to Lizette's house because they know now that there were stab wounds. So now it's a little bit different. Uh, they never, you know, take this for how you will. They didn't secure the scene earlier on, but they also didn't know that anything particularly terrible had happened. They thought, just like she said, it was a domestic violence call. They leave and go to the hospital. Um, but when they see these stab wounds, now they think, okay, they're broadening their their um, imagination here and thinking maybe we have something else we need to look into. So they make their way back to Lizette's house. When they get to Lizette's house. She is on the phone with Elizabeth's sister. Um, and I have conflicting things here, Benedicta or uh, Nikki. They say both things. I'm going to go with Benedicta because that was the first one that I saw. Uh, but she's on the phone with her. But now Benedicta thought that Elizabeth was calling her because the caller ID showed that way. Uh, it was just that Lizette had called from Elizabeth's phone. Now that I don't really care about. Maybe she needed the sister's number. So she pops it open to get sister and calls her from Lizette's phone or from Elizabeth's phone. Uh, Benedita says that when Lizette called, she started talking very quickly. She was pouring out information. Uh, she said she told her that they had gotten into an argument and Elizabeth was taken to the hospital, quote, with holes, H-O-L-E-S holes. Uh, I will say on a little side note later that Lizette does admit to making multiple phone calls in this time. So from between the police and the ambulance and they all leave until they come back, it was about an hour later. Uh, she does say that she had made multiple calls. So get this. So the police walk up and when they get back to the house, Lizette's on the phone, rambling, talking to Elizabeth's poor sister who's down in Florida. It's not like she can just drive over there quickly or go to the hospital and see what's going on, right? So she's all the way down in Miami and check this out. So the phone call went like this. Lizette said, your sister owes me money. She has some holes in her. Your sister owes me money. The paramedics left with her a while ago. She has holes in her. Elizabeth owes me some money. Wait, now the cops are back. So that was the verbiage. Um, this is what's caught. They can hear her. I think that's what's picked up on body cam uh, footage or audio. She also said that she'd been mad that Elizabeth was wearing her robe and her ring. All right. So you heard that sweet kind of startled voice on that 911 call, right? So this is how her demeanor changed. Um, before she could get any more information... Uh, like I said, Benedita hears the police telling Lizette that Elizabeth's condition has worsened. Police tell Lizette at that point to get off the phone. So Benedita has to just sit down there in Florida with no idea of what's going to go on and what's happening to her sister. At this point, the police start to develop the house. Uh, they consider the possibility of an attack. As they talk to Lizette, she tells them that Elizabeth and her boyfriend, Dustin, had broken up and Elizabeth had been staying with her for a few days. She continues to say that Elizabeth had been acting erratically and continues to uh, 
she continues to press the issue that this was a mental health break, that she had an issue there and that um, <clears throat> it wasn't drugs, but it gets a little weirder. So as Lizette is talking to the police at the house, she's actively cleaning up blood. So they're back to the house because they know that Liz that Elizabeth has multiple abdominal stab wounds. And as she's talking to them, she starts to clean the floor. All right. She's throwing stuff away. She's cleaning the floor. Um, uh, okay. So that's strange. Um, so Are these cops like rookies? You know, I can't find, I did try to see if I could find years in service there and I cannot find that anywhere. Um, I know their names. We might could, we might could figure something out and look it up, but I don't know. I don't know if they were just, you know, and I started thinking about it. I was discussing this earlier on too. And, you know, at first I'm like, oh, it could be a small department. Maybe this, maybe this is the stuff they're used to seeing, maybe some mental health stuff or drugs. Maybe they're, and I'm like, wait, this was Anchorage. So in the year 2020, Anchorage had a population of 297,000 people. This is not a small town. This wasn't, you know, a teeny tiny police department. And this was actually Anchorage PD. So it wasn't like, you know, a subsidiary or a sister county, whatever organization. Um, so that part does blow my mind. I can't seem to make that one make sense to me at this point. Maybe like, if when they first got there, she was doing it and they're all kind of confused. But now that they've come back. Can you make any sense of it? No, you, I mean, me as, I mean, I got a couple of years, but like when I'm walking up to a scene, if I hear what I just, what, what she's telling her on the phone and knowing that I have a victim with nine stab wounds in a hospital, like things, like things start to be adding up. Then you go inside and you start talking with her and her story is still not adding up. And at no point did this lady, hey, Hey, 911. Hey, cops. She's been stabbed nine times, too, because she's had that information that she gave to her sister, but she still failed to give this to law enforcement at any point. And then she starts cleaning up blood. Like, as a cop, you're going to go, even if this was self-inflicted, which it may be, you're still My not going to allow someone to clean up and which now is a potential active crime scene even if that's where that, that crime happened or that's where the body was dropped. Either way, that's a part of the scene. You're not going to let them get rid of evidence, especially large volumes of evidence, because if this woman is in the hospital on life support, fighting for her life because of blood loss and everything else, there's a lot of blood somewhere. Yeah. Someplace that they're, 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 and she's cleaning it up. Yep. And so when you have blood, like in a situation like this too, when you have like, if it's all in one location, that'll tell you something about what happened. If you have blood in multiple locations, she's moved. Exactly. Like exactly. you're moving. Like if you're trying to commit suicide, you're going to do what you like. I'm not, I've never tried to commit suicide, but I've worked several of them. They don't run like they're, if they're running around, it's, they're not looking for blood. Like the blood's not going to be like that. Like I've, trying hard to not Tuesday night quarterback after the, the, the but man, there's some big glaring things that just have. There unanswered. are. I mean, I think that it's fair to point out the things that don't make sense right now. And if, if, as I explain further, if it starts to make sense, we'll talk about it. Or if you become more perplexed, we'll talk about that too, because I think that that's also an option. Mm -hmm. uh, so police, <clears throat> 
eventually take Lizette and her son Desmond into the station to question them. I will tell you this, the report states that they were both cuffed and taken away. And this is not true on the dash, dash cam video. We have, I don't have it here, um, but I've seen multiple segments of the footage that show Lizette was cuffed uh, and put into the car. Her son, Desmond, again, he's 22. He was not cuffed. So he had, uh, there was a male and a female officer. So the female officer tended to Desmond and you see her pat him down. And then she starts to like put his hands behind his back like she's going to cuff him and they kind of talk. And then she just like doesn't and then guides him around to put him in the car. And then we have the rest of the car, like the dash footage that shows him in the back as they are proceeding to drive off uh, to the department to be questioned. And he's in the back sitting kind of um, almost my best description would probably be like with maybe a little bit of a smirk. Uh, and one time he kind of like chuckles and like kind of like nods and smiles and waves at somebody. Like, I guess like it's a joke that he's being taken away in a police car. I don't know. But so they go to the station, but he get, but there's just one. So that's the first that I can mention that there's an inconsistency in what the report says and what actually happened that we know to be true. All right. So uh, they get him to the station there and now they get a better look at Lizette. She has swelling and bruising to her right cheek and temple. She has a cut on her right upper lip and her left lower lip and her right nostril was scratched. Uh, she had no visible blood on her. It's now about 1030 a.m. and she is fully talking to police. I didn't attach those pictures for tonight. Uh, you can go on and put up a picture of Lizette if you see it there. Uh, it's just one when she's standing there before they take her in to be questioned. And she is, um, you can't really see in this picture. We do have an up close of her not here. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, where she gets there and she has a scratch that goes down the entire side of her face. And she does have a swollen uh, cheek and temple area. And it looks like she's definitely been in a scuffle. Okay. So Elizabeth had been, actually, would you mind to put up a picture of Elizabeth? Cause I don't think we've shown her face. Um, since we got started. So she was a beautiful girl. Uh, and I, like I said, Elizabeth was 37 at the time. Uh, Lizette, for the record, I think was either 45 or 48. Uh, I believe 45 at this time. So Elizabeth had been acting strange all week. So this is what Lizette is saying when she gets in to be interviewed at the police department. All right. She said that Elizabeth had been acting strange. She described her as manic. Uh, she states that Elizabeth has ADHD, but didn't appear to have been taking her meds. We do learn from family that she also had a diagnosis of depression, which that's not really surprising. ADHD and depression or anxiety are very often a dual diagnosis, and they kind of flow back and forth on what is more predominant. She says that she'd been awake most nights. Uh, she said Elizabeth was not making any sense. She said that while... Lizette sleeps upstairs. Elizabeth had been sleeping downstairs in the bedroom next to her son Desmond's room. Uh, eventually, Benedita, Elizabeth's sister, we're going to go back to her. She did tell police, just to give you a little bit of a history, a health history on Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was prescribed Zoloft. Zoloft's um, a very common antidepressant, sometimes an anxiolytic, an, like an anti-anxiety medication. Uh, she said that Lizette had earlier told Evidently, Lizette earlier told paramedics that Elizabeth had been on Seroquel. 
Seroquel is a bit different. So that's an antipsychotic that can treat schizophrenia and bipolar disease, among some other things. But uh, we don't know. It's not verified that Elizabeth was ever on Seroquel. And Elizabeth's family has maintained that she was never diagnosed with um, either one of those mental health uh, diseases. It says that she has she did have medic she did have medical records from 2016 um, that showed at least at that time she'd been prescribed Lexapro and Wellbutrin, both antidepressants, both very common, and Adderall for her ADHD. We don't know if she is currently still receiving those meds. However, Elizabeth had refilled a prescription two days prior, but that's been redacted. All right. So just a little history on her. What we know for sure from family was the diagnosis of ADHD and depression. Very common things. Uh, we don't have any schizoid behavior, any psychotic behavior, or any history of these kinds of things, at least that her family knows of. Um. So at 3 a.m., Lizette says that Elizabeth banged on her door. This is when she asked for those Benadryl. Remember that? So she asked for two Benadryl. She then sat on the toilet for a moment and then asked for two more Benadryl. Uh, reports kind of vary on whether Lizette, and it varies because Lizette's statement changes. Sometimes she has said that she witnessed Elizabeth actively like taking and swallowing the medication. And sometimes she just say, says that she gave it to her. And she's not sure. Now, I will say we've talked about this a lot of times. I know John and Drew on Com Center on Thursday nights talk about this often. When someone is calling in or later talking to the police, you can't get too hung up on small inconsistencies. You know, there's been a trauma, there's been adrenaline, and it's easy to miss a fact or misstate something and, you know, later change it up. So I don't get too hung up on the fact that she said two different differing things based on this Benadryl situation. Um, <clears throat> she said that Elizabeth goes back downstairs, presumably to bed. But then three hours later at 6 a.m., she said that Elizabeth is back screaming and banging on her door. She continues to repeat the name David and the number seven in like a scream. And she said she sounded scared and she sounded scary and she wasn't making sense. At one point, she says she rolled up in a ball and just was yelling and beating her fist. Uh, she said that she, <clears throat> excuse me, she was wearing nothing but the pink bathrobe at this point. Uh, you want to, if you want to go on and queue up the picture or put up the picture of the bathrobe. Uh, she had on no other clothing. So Lizette says that she follows her downstairs and tells her, and we're going to talk about that picture, and tells her that they need to get her to a hospital. Uh, real quick. Let's look at this picture, guys. If you are just listening, I will throw these pictures online for you to be able to see, or you can even just Google it yourself. Now, we're looking through computer monitors or TV screens at what looks like flash photography almost. So we can't probably very accurately judge the color of this robe in person, but you can definitely see the discoloration like where it had been lighter when it was dry and darker when it's wet. And Crockett Cassidy just asked the $1 million question, is that blood? Well, what do you think? Because evidently, initially, the police reported that it was sweat. Uh, but then when you get to the hospital, you realize they're saying it's blood. I will say if you look in the very top corner to me that I'm pointing like you guys can see. But if you look at the toward the top of the picture in that corner, the way it's like kind of smaller uh, discolored areas look darker to me. And like the, the all along the top where it's darker. Look, Yes, thank you. 
The top corner looks dark to me, and I think that that's where the flash is not as exposed. It's not as bright up there, so it's maybe more of the true color. Uh, to me, that looks like blood up there. And then again, like as you're looking at the picture on the top kind of right, it just looks like a darker shade than down closer to you here. Exactly. Darker, not as exposed to your color. I agree. So we'll talk more about that robe, but that robe is definitely a point of, there's a lot of questions surrounding this robe. So she said that at 6 a.m. she gets up, she's losing her mind, screaming around, banging around. Uh, she said that Lizette says that she follows Elizabeth back down the stairs. Um, she said, again, like I said, she's crawling up in a ball. She's losing her mind per Lizette. Elizabeth is around six feet tall. All right. Lizette is five, six. So they have a, a decent differing in size here. Uh, she said that she is basically running around upstairs, downstairs, trying to get away from her. She said that Desmond followed. There's a lot of inconsistencies as well when she refers to her son. So she will say that he's downstairs sometimes that she later will recount him being upstairs. We're not even sure exactly who opened the door when the police originally got there because she had differing reports on that. She said that she did, but then another time she said that her son was already downstairs. Um, and that's not body cam footage that we have. So they shut the bedroom door. She says that they both run up the stairs. She's yelling at Desmond to call 911, but she eventually calls herself and that he gets up there and they both lock the door and they call, and that's when they make that call that we heard earlier to 911. Now, she maintains that the whole time she's on the phone and that Elizabeth is freaking out. She said that she's banging on that door. Well, you guys heard the call. She's saying that that Elizabeth is banging on the door to the point that she thinks she's going to push it in. She thinks that she's afraid that even though it's locked, she's going to get through that door and get to them, and she's terrified. She said essentially that she was like narrowly able to escape her as it was. She had knocked her on the ground and... uh she didn't have a clear example of how she got out of this situation, but she almost explains what would be like a shrimp. Like she shrimped out and was able to stand up and get away and run upstairs. Um, if you want to start queuing up clip number two, when asked uh, who answered the door for the police, uh, this is Lizette's reply. So this is how she answers that question. And who answered the door? I did. I ran downstairs. So you did? Yeah. Where was uh Desmond? No, where was uh Tara. Elizabeth? Oh yeah. Her middle name is Tara, sorry. That's All what right. we call her. Tara. Yeah. So where was Elizabeth? She was upstairs. Um So you had did you just actually have to pass her in order to go? No, I didn't did I you see I her? didn't I she was somewhere so there's the living room and there's a the kitchen and there's like I, I just knew that I got to get the, the, the police in there. And so I, I think I just went, like, I don't really recall seeing her. I, okay. she, I know she was upstairs, though. I know she was because I could hear her the whole time. All righty. So she goes on there. This, as you can imagine, goes on for a while. She's talking to police for quite a while at this time, but she goes on to talk about how loud Elizabeth had been banging on the door, like we were just saying. But did anybody hear that? Because the 911 call was very quiet. 
Uh, she did a good job of maintaining her calm when she spoke with the dispatcher. I did not hear any banging whatsoever. Um, and, and no one has. So she goes on to talk about that. And then she talks about, let's go on and get number three up, the condition uh, that Elizabeth was in at this time when she was banging on the door. All right, she lets back up. So when Elizabeth comes back inside the house, you go downstairs, you see her. Yeah, she's Is she injured screaming. at all? No. No, she has no injuries? No. Okay, so during this whole fight, uh, you're basically trying to just block. You're able to slip upstairs. You and Desmond go upstairs. You hide in your room. I didn't, did you see her again? I did not see her until the cops got there uh -huh. with all that that stuff, that blood and stuff. Okay, so you don't know how she that did all that? That did not happen until after I called 911. Because when I was in the hallway and she was standing there, and then she was like... Okay. All right. So I hope you paid attention there. She said, and we are going to pretty rapidly do number four, but she went on to say that he said, what condition was she in? Did she have blood on her when she was banging on the door and yelling at you when you called on one? And she immediately said, what? She said, nope, she did not. She didn't have any blood on her. Uh, she was active and, and yelling and was fine. So she goes on to talk a little bit about thinking that she saw the knife that Elizabeth must have used again. You guys remember that when the cops got there, the report was that they saw two scratches on her right inner thigh. They were probably self-inflicted. We don't know anything else about these abdominal wounds at all until she's in the hospital. We do know that Lizette told her sister, though, on the phone, Elizabeth's sister, that she had holes in her. So if she didn't tell her sister that, we wouldn't necessarily assume that she would be looking for a knife right now. Right. Like if she didn't have all these abdominal wounds, why would she be looking for a knife that her sister used? But either way, let's play number four, four and see what she has to say about that knife. Are you able to clean up your house at all? No. No. Did you? Only, only, only uh, the only thing I had cleaned up while and it was in front of the police officer, mm -hmm. too, was the blood, the little blood that she had left in two spots because I was upstairs, like, oh my downstairs. God, that's going to stain. Upstairs, downstairs? Upstairs. Okay. It was just two spots. Okay. Did you see anything? You said when you came out, you saw blood and stuff. Did you see anything in your house that might have caused that? Any type of object? I saw a knife. Okay. So you did see a knife? But I didn't, I didn't do anything because I was too busy on the phone. Okay. Where was the knife? Upstairs in the living room. Where at? Um, next to the couch, I want to say that, um, the long one, not the, not the love seat. Next to the long couch on the floor? Or on it. I, I, somewhere around there. I don't, I, I, I know I saw a knife and I was like, that must have been what she was doing. Did you, you know? when, when you looked at the knife, did you see any blood or anything on it? No, I, well, I didn't really look at it that closely. I was too busy, like telling her boyfriend, like, what am I supposed to do with this dog? I didn't sign up for it, you know. Uh, what type of knife is this? It's just like a, it's either a steak knife or it was like a, the next size up. Like, you know, like it's one or the other. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to write notes because there's so much to unpack here. Um, first of all, did you like that tone when she said, well, I mean, I cleaned up the stain and the blood in front of the police officers because I thought, ooh, I don't want that to stain. Oh, goodness. Okay. So she knows that Lizette is in surgery or that Elizabeth is in surgery right now. So that was a very interesting uh, 
way to talk about your friend, even if she did just try to attack you because you think she's in a mental health crisis, like whatever. Uh, and then did you guys catch that when she evidently, remember, she made all these phone calls. Um, I'm sorry, but Hydro Man Blue, I do have to address the chat now because that was funny. He said it's going to stain. Wow, that's cold-blooded. So she did admit to making quite a few phone calls between the time that the police left and came back in that hour. So one of those was Dustin, uh, Elizabeth's new ex-boyfriend. And she, did you hear what she said? She was saying to him, she was saying, what am I going to do with this dog? I didn't sign up for this. So she calls the sister to say she owes her money multiple. I think she says it three or four times. Your sister owes me money. She has holes in her. Elizabeth owes me money. She has holes in her. Uh, and then now she's calling the ex-boyfriend to complain about this dog that's landed in her lap that she doesn't know what to do with. So as soon as they take her off in that ambulance, I mean, old girl's got, uh, <laughs> she's got some bones to pick with people, right? So that's what's going on there in that interview room right now. Again, the knife. What's your thoughts about the way she described the whole situation with the knife? Well, if she's got nine holes in her and she, this blood loss is wherever the blood is, there's no blood on the knife whatsoever. None. No fingertip, no fingerprint. I mean, you, there's a lot of things that are not there that you normally would see or you, like and in police work, when you're dealing with crimes, especially when you're trying to look at a crime scene, reconstruct a crime scene, a lot of things that stand out are things that aren't there. So like, for instance, this lack of blood, blood. <laughs> in a stabbing, <laughs> like, and no, I didn't clean anything else up, but I cleaned it up when the cops were there because I wanted them to see, like there, it seems like it's, there's very much intent, intentional stuff is being done. She's doing yeah. things after the, like, after the fact, she's calling the sister, telling the sister, I would go ahead and say that's a veiled threat. Like, hey, look, I stabbed her up nine times. Because. I'm not saying that. And she owes me money. And, oh, I can't talk to the cops from here. And then the other person that she called is this girl's new ex-boyfriend to let her know, hey, this dog, I, I'm not dealing with this dog either. So you're going to have to deal with that. So the, the only two things that are of concern to this woman are not this girl's life, her roommate, mm -hmm. her friend that they're supposed to be best friend or close friends or whatever. It's. This girl owes me money, so I need to call her sister. And what the hell am I going to do with this dog? Mm -hmm. And like you said, not just she owes me money and I'm going to try to get it back. She owes me money and let me tell you that she's got holes in her. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> you don't say that unless you're trying to get some, you know, pique someone's interest there or convey, convey something that you've done. Now, I also thought it was interesting to me and it made me nothing. But when he said, did you see a knife? And she says, Yes, I did. I saw a knife. First of all, keep in mind, when they asked her if she saw Elizabeth, when she had to open her bedroom door and come downstairs. So this woman who's six inches taller than her, who had just, you know, theoretically had her on the ground trying to kill her, trying to punch her, trying to hurt her. She barely scrambled away with her life and gets upstairs and this woman's banging on the door and she's terrified of her. And the cops get there, so she's going to open the door and run downstairs. Like, without even, if she'd have looked around in that moment, she would have seen Elizabeth's body. So, when they say, did you see Elizabeth? Oh, oh, no, I just needed to go let the cops in. Like, she didn't even say, like, I was fearful for my life and I ran down the stairs. I didn't see anything. She was just like, oh, no, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't look for her, uh, but I knew she was upstairs. That's what she said. Makes absolutely zero sense. But then when they ask her if she saw a knife, she very quickly Yes. Yes. I saw a knife. 
And I thought, oh, that's that's what she must have used to do this with. To do what with? What did you even know she had done at that point? I'm not sure you knew she had done anything. You just said that she didn't have any wounds on her when she was banging on the door when you called 911. Why would you... Why would you even think that? Right. And then she says, first of all, again, that that we'll put these pictures up, guys, if you didn't see them picture, just like a regular kitchen, uh, at like a small steak knife that would be in your, your butcher block, not a butcher knife, but a smaller knife. And it was just like a gray metallic handled silver blade clean as a whistle. I mean, you see a little something on the carpet there, but it's not, you can't, that thing's clean. That does not look like 11 stab wounds, uh, have occurred with that knife. And she goes on to say, when he asked where it was, did you catch this? Or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But he said, oh, did you see it there? And she said, yes, in the living room, something about the couch. And he said, yeah, right there on the floor, because it was found on the floor. And he kind of led her with that a little bit, probably unintentionally, because then she goes back to almost correct him. And she was like, yeah, we're on the couch. And uh, he said something else. And then she goes, oh, I mean, maybe on the floor. And my first thought was, oh, you put that knife on that couch. And then when it fell off or dropped or something happened, they found it on the floor. And you're like, yeah, no, it was on the couch. And then she caught herself. But that's what it sounded like to me. It's neither here nor there. Um, but that's what we got from that call. Now, in a separate interview room at 1033 a.m., they're talking to Desmond. A different detective is talking to Desmond and trying to get his statement. Uh, again, uh, Desmond is 22 years old and he sits down to talk to the police officer. Now I didn't record this cause there's not much to tell, but essentially the detective is saying, Hey, so, Hey buddy, you know, we got you in here. Obviously things have changed a bit since she first left your house. We realized that some more stuff's going on with her than we realized. And you know, she's in surgery now, but you know, and he kind of laughs with them and he says, you know, I'm just, you know, we got you and your mom here just because you were the only two anywhere near. Or you're the only two that can help us out and, you know, let us know. Just kind of doing one of those things. And uh, Desmond's kind of kind of chuckling, maybe a little nervously. But, I mean, I would, too, if I'm sitting in there, to be fair, if if I did something or not. It just is not a place you want to be. And um, so he said, all right. So, you know, we've learned now that she has these stab wounds, X, Y, Z. And he said, so let me ask you some questions about that. And then, uh, and Desmond clams right on up and says he will not speak unless he has an attorney present. Now, the part of me that has an irrational fear of going to prison, no matter what, would say I would lawyer up at every turn, no matter what, I don't care. I will say that with his mom blabbing in the other room and him being 22, I just do find it interesting that he felt the need to lawyer up. How do you feel about that? Like, if you're going from talking with someone and they're cordially having this conversation back and forth like we're having right now, then all of a sudden I start asking, hey, so about the woman that we found in your place that has nine holes in her that's fighting for her life. And he goes, yeah, I want an attorney. That That's not someone that's a cooperating witness. That, that's someone that's right. not helping the investigation to go for, forward. Regardless of innocent or guilt, like, okay, so I'll get an attorney, get you an attorney. But we want to know some things that happen. There's a woman with nine holes in her. Yeah. What what happened? Did she do that? Did she stab herself nine times while she was waiting for you guys? But then yeah. when you guys ran downstairs, did you run over her body that wasn't there? But you've seen this like there's so many inconsistent like there's a couple things. Yeah, you can let slide on some inconsistencies. But when she's got like she's not seen this woman, but she knows she has holes. In her. 
she's not seen this woman, but she knows that she's got holes in her and she knows that happened with a knife and she knows where the knife's at. So you're, you're like, you have very, like there are parts of like, when we're talking about these cold cases that there are some parts of the, every cold case, everyone that's out there, there's a couple bits of information that they have not let the public know. The only sure. people that are either a law enforcement or B the stabby people with the knife, put nine holes in their roommate would know. So when this lady has very intimate details of the crime of something that's going on that in itself, that like, there are so many red flags. I don't know how this is not ruled, not a suicide. Well, we shall see. We're going to talk about that autopsy here in a minute, but we learned that um, Desmond, like I said, about four minutes in Desmond clamps up, he's done. He no longer talks. All right. So police at this point have obtained a search warrant for the home for Lizette and for Desmond. We learned that despite surgery and blood transfusions, Elizabeth did succumb to her injuries at 1125 that morning. She ultimately had 11 stab wounds, two to her right inner thigh and the rest to her right abdomen. Uh, what I want to, we don't need to get off on it now. We can talk about it later. Something that's like bugging me. Not that I feel like I have a gut instinct on what happened here, but let's say for the sake of argument that this was suicide, and we're going to talk about all the ways that could or couldn't be true. One of the pieces of information I would want to know is what is her dominant hand and at what angle were these wounds? Because she, these were all in the right side of her body. So right inner thigh and right abdomen. Um, it would just be interesting, right? Uh, to know that'd be another little piece of the puzzle that, that I'm sure somebody has that, uh, we aren't privy to. So when the police told Lizette of Elizabeth's death in a moment, just go on and we're going to queue up number five, but when they tell Lizette of Elizabeth's death, uh, that was at 1248 when they break the news to her there in the police department. They noted that she was visibly shocked and she started crying immediately. She said she knew she should have gotten her help sooner. She knew she just didn't look right that night. Right. But remember how earlier she was adamant without hesitation that Elizabeth said or that Elizabeth had not had any injuries or wounds on her when she was banging on the door and she was calling 911. So prior to 911. Lizette said that Elizabeth had had no injuries on her whatsoever. Well, now they tell her that Elizabeth's dead. Let's hear what she has to say. Desmond and I were, were hiding in the room. I said, she, I saw blood, but we were hiding. We, I couldn't have my son and I out there. Like, so was this after the police came or right before? I or called before you guys yeah, you after all, well, after this happened. And then I heard her in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I heard moaning and I heard the talking and stuff, but I, I, I just, I was like, baby, we're staying in here till, till the cops come. That I don't, I, I, I heard her banging, like I told you, it was like, she was like, uh, on my doors, but I was like, no, no, like, I was like, even like, up until they rang the door, I was like, I mean, I, I, I had the door locked, but it's still, I didn't want her to like push in through the door. There. Whoa. So that changed. That changed real quick. And I mean, she just gave a 180 in her description of what was going on with Elizabeth prior to her calling 911. Right. Ooh, I just turned that up a little bit loud. You good? 
yep. so she uh let's talk about the idea that Elizabeth has done this to herself, all right? People do. People do. People stab themselves. Usually that is more of a mental health um break, suicide. Uh, you know, that's it's not it's not as common to stab yourself uh intentionally to commit suicide. However, it does happen, so we can't discard it. Now, to happen that many times, it's a lot, uh, a whole lot. And, you know, there is some argue on whether or not the two wounds on her thigh were very superficial and what you would then call hesitation wounds. People kind of get in the weeds on this and are in different camps. Uh, you guys, the idea of a hesitation wound would be like, if you know that you're going to try to kill yourself or try to cut yourself deeply like that, excuse me, you may start first and like, just like it says, kind of hesitate uh, before you kind of amp yourself up to, to really do the thing. Okay. So let's make that argument then. Those are the hesitation wounds. And then she goes on to the belly nine more times to the belly. We're going to talk about that uh, autopsy report here in a moment. And you're going to hear the damage that was done. So you decide whether or not you think she could have done this nine more times to the belly. But here's what, in terms of stabbing as a method of suicide, precisely stabbing multiple times as a means of suicide. Only 3% of suicides are in that measure. All right. 3% of all suicides of that small 3%, only 13% of those are women. Okay. So out of all the people that the 3%, that tiny little group out of all of them, only 13% of that is women. Okay. So Again, we talked a little bit about the idea of a hesitation wound. I'm not really, I don't care about that one way or another. So back at the scene at the house, police are now coming through the rooms. There was some confusion about the robe, that that infamous robe, right? So we talked about it being lighter pink and it was soaked. Uh, initially, they deemed it as sweat. It has since kind of gone back and forth. The reports do vary. Um, they do later realize it to be blood now, as for the knives, police found the knife that Lizette had mentioned. That was that kitchen steak knife that we saw lying kind of butted up next to the couch on the floor in the living room that she seemed very to know very uh, specific details about. Right. And so we also have a smaller steak knife that was found under the sink. A Leatherman, if you're not familiar, it's just kind of like not that not that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know that though, but a Leatherman, which would be the, um, like a multi-tool if you guys aren't familiar, you know, so it's going to have like, uh, pliers. Yeah, there's that. So it was in the plier configuration. They're not too worried about that. Um, let's see here. So the multi-tool was there on what they call a pony wall. It's like a half wall that divides. Uh, they found 12 spots of blood throughout the house, including blood and urine upstairs, Interestingly enough, though, even though Lizette stated voluntarily that she had cleaned some of the home, authorities have found uh, never found any rags or anything like that that would have been used to clean. Right. So she said she did it. They did. As far as I can gather, look in the bins in the home. I don't know about outside. And they'd never found anything that she would have used to clean it up with. Um, now the things get stranger, if you believe it. Evidently, the day after Elizabeth's death. Lizette told some people that Elizabeth had slit her own throat and that she watched Elizabeth stab herself repeatedly. Okay. 
So this is like magic option number three. Was it suicide? Was it murder? Or was it a witnessed suicide? Okay. So uh, we do know that uh, police call three different people she knew. Some were co-workers. Two of these people they called, all three of these were men, by the way, two of them had missed multiple calls from Elizabeth over the course of this night. Like one of them missed nine calls of hers. His phone was on silent. Uh, I listened to all of these interviews. I didn't, for the sake of the show, not being three hours long tonight, we're not going to play all of them, but I listened to all three of them. All three of these men were, like I said, two of them were coworkers, they're friends. Uh, they were distraught. You know, they, the two that missed calls from her felt, you could tell they absolutely felt terrible about it. They wished so much they had answered the call, hoping it would have changed something, but they all say the same thing. They all say that hearing from Lizette, because remember Lizette worked there too. So she knows all these same people, um, that Elizabeth had either slit or stabbed her throat and her abdomen. And they all say, I just can't imagine it. Like Lizette said that she slit her throat and she's, you know, committed suicide. And the detective was great to say like, okay, well just know that not everything you're hearing is true. Like moving right along. Let me, you know, ask some more questions and whatnot. Um, so why is Lizette telling people that she slit her throat and stabbed herself? I, right. Another account Lizette told someone that she had a child, like an adolescent child with her that was in her bathroom with her, not her adult son. She didn't have an adolescent child. There was not one in the house, but her adult son was. We know that around 2 a.m. Elizabeth texted a friend. Remember at 2 a.m. Elizabeth was like starting to go a little crazy. She was about to, at this point, she was asking for that Benadryl per Lizette's account, right? Because at three is when she starts banging on the door and has lost her mind. Well, we know that around 2 a.m., uh, Elizabeth was texting with a friend and said that she was walking her dog. They exchanged some pleasant pleasantries. Uh, not long after that, per her phone extraction, she was listening to music and ordering items from Amazon. This woman who was supposed to be in this mental health break. Okay. There was also a conversation with a friend that included pictures where Elizabeth was texting that she was moving items around and attempting to declutter the home that she considered untidy. So Lizette's account was that she kept constantly like taking things in and out of the closet and wouldn't stop moving. But we have Elizabeth texting a friend taking pictures and like, it's so cluttered in here. I'm trying to straighten up. Okay. But then strangely around 3 AM, Elizabeth repeatedly called and texted her ex-boyfriend, Dustin. Now, we talk about this kinds of thing this all the time. People can be in relationships that are not healthy. They had been together for a decade. She broke up with him. She was a bit fearful of him in the sense that she broke up with him. However, if she feels like her life is in danger, which we've not really explored that option, he's still comfort. He's the first thing she knows. So I don't find it strange at all, actually, that she's calling him. But she called him multiple times, um, begging and texting, begging him to pick up the phone. The Anchorage Police Department, head of homicide division. Now, every time that I look this up, they don't, I cannot find um, like a rank for this officer, but they just continue to say the head of the homicide division and her superior officers continue to maintain that the robe was covered and wet with sweat, while the reports actually do state that it was heavily saturated in blood. So the head of the homicide division and her superiors to this day, will maintain that that robe was covered in sweat. 
Now, in October of 2020, this was just two months after Elizabeth's death, two months later, and with all of these kind of strange circumstances we have surrounding it, the case was closed. Um, it says that the lead homicide, uh, excuse me, the head of the homicide division, again, this is, her name is Bianca Cross, maintained that there was no sign of a struggle and that they have no suspects. We have photos. I don't have them here. I'll put them on IG. But there were chairs torn, like flopped over, plants flopped over. There has never been a bloody knife recovered. Okay, guys, out of all those knives they found, not one bloody knife has been recovered. If Elizabeth stabbed herself, there would be a knife at least in the same room she's in. I don't know how many people stab themselves and toss the knife, but even if she did, there would be one in the room. It would very likely actually just be beside her body. There was not one found. All right. So, but hang on, because there's a little bit of a cliffhanger here. Uh, the autopsy revealed that Elizabeth died from bleeding due to the stab wounds. Uh, because of the nature of this, the ME stated that suicide couldn't be ruled out. I would say to that, then neither can homicide. It, just because you didn't rule out suicide doesn't mean you've declared that it was suicide. All right. This is driving me nuts. So um, her death was not ruled a homicide or a suicide. So that, that it's not been in her on her death certificate or, you know, on the autopsy report. It's not homicide or suicide. Um, it says that let me see what I got here. The evidence, including blood, DNA, fingerprints, the knives never processed forensically. They never process this evidence to this day whatsoever. So, um, y'all, I wrote in my notes, can y'all, you, you want to laugh at me? I literally wrote preposterous. <laughs> That's preposterous. Why didn't they process any of this stuff? It's crazy. So to date, the APD refuses to do so. We have multiple accounts of witnesses in the neighborhood that heard a woman screaming right around 6 a.m., with at least one hearing the word murder. One thing we haven't heard much of is Desmond's account. So go on and start queuing up number six of that night. Eventually, Elizabeth's family did hire a private investigator and Desmond spoke with him. So let's see what little Desmond has to say after the fact. Like I saw glances of her outside the bathroom. She approached me, but naked as I was coming out of the bathroom talking about how much she loved me and I practically ignored her. I did ignore her. Um, wow. You, you, you were, was she coming out of the bathroom or you were coming out of the bathroom? I was coming out of the bathroom. And that was just during the, the time that she stayed with, with you and your mother. Is that correct? Yes. And, and would that be on the same day that Elizabeth passed away? Um, it was pretty close. It was like, yeah. Okay. It must have been like 2 a.m., 1 a.m., Sure. but technically the same day. Um, and, and did either I, that or barely the day before. Did Elizabeth ever uh, mention the traumatic incident that happened with her, her, her boyfriend or, I guess, ex-boyfriend, you could call him? Uh, no, no, she didn't. Okay. All right. So, did you catch that, Dead? I don't, again, I could be reading into it. I thought it was interesting when he said, 
did he say I basically and, and ignored her? Oh, it, it, we're good. Okay, he I don't says know why it's that's okay. So when he says okay, and she like she approaches you naked and she's telling you how much she loves you and like how did you react? And he says he was like oh you know pretty much ignored her. I mean I did ignore her. Like it was like a little just a, I don't know. It seemed like a little tell. It was interesting. But he goes on now to kind of volunteer some extra information that is also conflicting. So if you want to play number seven. So maybe you could walk me through. A if me and her are guilty of something, it's that we didn't. So we didn't hide the knives from her. And at some point she, she cut herself. I couldn't tell where she cut herself or how deep. It didn't seem too bad there there wasn't much blood but right before she got taken away and right before we called the police she was in the kitchen and grabbed a knife and i i didn't see her grab the knife i didn't see her cutting herself and and from what i understand there was uh... okay so we can turn that off um so when he says that like if you know, if we were guilty of anything, it wasn't hiding the knives and blah, 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 blah. like he just kind of like his word vomit a little bit. No one asked you if you were guilty of anything at all. He's just asking you some questions. Like I just thought that was such an interesting tell. Do you feel that way? Not only that, knives is plural. Oh that yeah, means there's more than one. So we didn't hide the knives. And then he says that she grabbed the knife, but I didn't see her grab the knife, but I seen her stab, but I didn't see her stab. And I don't know how deep it was, but it was deep. I didn't know. I didn't see the blood. Like how many parts are that you're going to cut? Not only that, I will, we'll go further back. If a, she is a mildly, we'll go ahead and say mildly attractive more. She's more than mildly attractive woman walks out of the bathroom and you're 20 years old and your mom's however old and you're living, you're all living together in this woman who's a roommate walks out of the bathroom buck ass naked and starts coming on to you and it's not normal i'd be going hey mom you need to wake up something's going crazy here because i don't want to be involved with like it's 2020 like even before all this stuff happened it's still it's 2020 you don't want to be yeah. involved with this naked like there's so much stuff like it there's so many questions why would you not process any of it I mean, that, that's just simple law enforcement stuff. You have to rule things out. You know, and this is also where, and maybe this isn't it at all. In fact, I'm going to tell what I think here later. But when he says, oh, she told me she loved me and this and that, not, oh, I ignored her. I actually immediately, my brain switches to the opposite. And I think, oh, I don't think that she liked your advances. And you got pissed. And that could be wrong. But that's when I hear that, that's what it sounds like to me. But, um. Anyway, oh my gosh. So then I did go on and listen again for brevity's sake. We're not going to play them all. It's it's very interesting to hear, though, if you guys look into it. I listened to either seven or eight different neighbor just kind of like witness statements that when the police came out and at this point they see the homicide van out. And so they're all kind of like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And they all separately, eerily say the same thing. And it was all that they, um, you know, heard a woman scream and it was all around the same time. So uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier. So check this out, though. When crime scene photos were looked at further, a fourth knife, a fourth knife that no one's talked about, that was not taken into evidence, was found. 
It was found on the garage floor where Lizette actually had stated that the fight started. Because she said it started downstairs near the garage or in the garage. And essentially it moved through the house, right? This knife was not listed in any reports or as evidence. So you want to go on and put that one. It's the blue handled blade. It appears to be the only one that could possibly have blood on it. Now, again, it's it looks like it's caked in. The description is kind of mud and blood when you read about it. Um, but this knife was not taken into evidence. I guess it doesn't matter because they're not processing the evidence anyway. So, I mean, who cares? But uh, that knife was found where she actually said that the fight started. So the autopsy shows. Let's talk a little bit about that drug history because we still want to know, right? Was she more than one thing can be true? She could have been having a mental breakdown. She could have also been murdered, too. It doesn't mean that she had a mental breakdown and had to kill herself. You know, any one of these combinations could be true. So we can't rule that out. But we know that we have conflicting information about what her roommate said she was taking, what her family said she had taken. And we don't know any of it. The autopsy showed that um, she had the toxicology report specifically that she had THC, which we knew her. We knew her to have um, smoked pot, like whatever. And my Dazzlam. Um, if you're not familiar, my Dazzlam is also known as Versed. It's given widely in the hospital, not so much for home use. In fact, it's not prescribed for home use, except in certain forms that we're going to talk about. Versed is a benzodiazepine. Um, it's used for things like uh, you might get a little bit through your IV before your wisdom teeth are out, right? Conscious sedation. It doesn't knock you out to where you can't breathe on your own, but it'll you'll get out. Um, you'll lose your consciousness. Uh, it's given often orally, like in a liquid form to children preoperatively. And it just kind of, they get a little loopy. It has a bit of an amnesiac quality. So when they wake up, they forgot that that actually ever happened. Um, now it does come in suppository form and nasal spray form for people with seizures. Okay. So that is really the only approved home use, unless you're home on hospice. That's the, really the only approved uh, home use. So this is interesting to me, though, that it was in her system, right? That's where I get a little confused. So oral and intravenous versed will be on a talk screen. But you know what? I'm unclear as to whether like a nasal spray. Um, I think the suppository form probably would be. I would think that the nasal spray form... Uh, may have such a low health, you know, half-life that it wouldn't show up. I don't know. I know I'm getting the weeds with that, but I don't know why she has Versed in her system because it's not a drug you would normally have. It's not like um, people taking Xanax that's not theirs or something like that. Versed is not one that you see it in people's homes, like at all. Uh, so not sure about that. Uh, there are conflicting reports, though, that either Desmond or her boyfriend, Dustin, potentially had a seizure. Um had, had seizures. So if that was the case, one of them could have had the nasal at that age. They probably, that verse, the, the suppository is usually for children, but probably would have had the nasal one around again. Not sure that that would be in her system. Oh, let's say a little side note real quick. The ex-boyfriend Dustin and Lizette's son Desmond were buddies. So that's fun to know later on. Um, I can't substantiate that, though, about the seizures. I only read it once or twice, so we can't say that for sure. But either way, no other meds were found in her system, the, the pot and the Versed, okay? What are we not finding in her system that we supposedly um, have taken? Benadryl, right? I mean, she essentially, per the report, took 100 milligrams of Benadryl, if that was the case. That's a lot. By the way, I don't even like to take one. It makes me feel like groggy the next day. It's gross. Um, 
the best thing I can tell, and if you guys have better information on this, I'm not an Emmy. I'm not, a, I don't do these things. I don't know. It looks to me, everything I looked up is that you can find, so diphenhydramine is the other name for Benadryl. It will show up on a tox report, but it looks like you have to order like a separate panel. You know, it's not going to be on the general tox report. So like it would pop hot for benzos because she had Versed, but Benadryl may not show up unless they request a more specific panel. So that could be the case as well. So we still don't know whether or not she took the Benadryl. I did look at complications. I mean, of course, you don't want to take the Versed and the Benadryl together. That could, doesn't matter. Um, I don't because whatever she was on isn't what killed her anyway, unless someone gave her something she shouldn't have had. Like if, if someone gave her Versed because it will make you loopy. It will make you tired. It will make you stumble. So I feel like that's interesting. Um, she died, as we stated earlier, as a result of blood loss from the stabbings. These punctures did pierce her liver, spleen, and kidney. So back to the her doing it herself, we are piercing major organs. So to think that we weren't bleeding, another thing, I hate to do this too, and I hate, you know, working in the hospital and doing medical things myself. I hate it for someone else to come back and say, well, why didn't she look at this? Or why didn't you think this way? I don't know, like, you know, we, you would start to consider potential, like, distension of the abdomen, right? If she's starting to bleed internally, even, let's say the, the crime scene itself wasn't, or the death scene itself wasn't so bloody outside, if she's piercing these organs, you're going to start bleeding internally. Um, Lizette Hall, the roommate for the record, does have a history. She, she does have a record. She got a history of um, some violent assaults, by the way. Um. I'm going to start wrapping it up and then I want to hear your thoughts. But the family of Elizabeth Hall or Elizabeth, excuse me, has requested that the Anchorage Police Department handover. They want to see the footage of when they originally got to the home. So when whomever greeted them at the door and what the home looked like when they walked in. Uh, they can't do that when they requested it, even though all this other stuff somehow is public and leaked. I don't know. Uh, the APD states that that simply doesn't exist, that that's not a document they have. All right. And in Alaska, it's kind of different state by state. In Alaska, you have to have an Alaska state sworn lawyer to request anything further. So they, as just, you know, civilians, non-attorneys, whatever, cannot request further information there. There, like I said, has been virtually zero coverage of this whatsoever. Um, and if you have any tips or information, you can email justice for the number four, Elizabeth at hotmail.com. Again, I'll put that up on the little Instagrammies later for you guys. But uh, what in the world? Like, were there defensive wounds on the sun? Were there like, were there any injuries on the sun? So they've never even said, I don't know how much further this, it sounds like they did the initial interview. Now, one thing I found interesting, but geez, it sounds like they missed a lot on the first pass. When they get Desmond and mom Lizette into the department for questioning an hour after they'd been at the house when Lizette, when Elizabeth was taken to the hospital, they do say that on second pass. So the second time that he encounters Lizette, he now sees swelling and bruising and things on her face that he had not seen prior. That could be a few things. It could be that he just didn't notice earlier. It could be that the swelling hadn't really started yet. You know, it was just kind of getting forming in her face. Um, Cause one of my like kind of rabbit hole thoughts was unless she had her son kind of, you know, bang her up a little bit to look like she'd been attacked by Elizabeth. Uh, but in terms of your question with Desmond, it sounds like they were questioned 
bloop, bloop, released right on back as soon as they got through processing the uh, house to whatever degree they did. They were right back in it and case closed. I mean, they, they've done nothing further. They are adamant that there have not been suspects. Again, it was not considered a suicide and it was also not deemed a homicide. Uh, you know, even if they think that they know, we don't really have a way to prosecute. I understand that right now or to charge. I, I get that, but um, it's like no tough questions were asked. That's what I'm saying. No tough questions were asked and the case has not been worked. When I say, I know I said earlier that they've not processed or they've not sent any of the evidence that they recovered for analysis. And I know John was being kind of, you know, saying like, well, maybe it's backed up, but I mean, like they've not even sent it. Like they didn't, this was three years ago. They didn't even, it's not like they sent it and we don't have the results. They're not analyzing any of it. They washed their hands of it. Now, you know, I hate to go down this idea too, We've talked about this kind of thing before. Um, the club they worked at, they were exotic dancers. All right. So there's a lot of talk about like uh, drug use and the dancers in Alaska and this part, whatever. I don't think that that's going to cause investigators not to investigate. I don't think that at all. I do think it was August through October of 2020, like we just talked about. We knew, remember, like at some point, I'm not sure if, if that's when they were starting to let people out of jail, but people lost their ever loving minds and everything stopped. You know, we know that like child protective services essentially stopped foster care, you know, psychotic, whatever, everything goes up, depression, all these things were terrible. You know, I wonder if being the case it was, it was called in as a domestic dispute. These, you know, were maybe not members of the community that it was kind of like, ah, let's go. And you know what? I'm not even handling it. I don't know. I don't want to speculate to that point, but just, you know, yeah, it says nobody went to jail for anything in 2020. I mean, that's essentially what, that's the only other thing I can think of as to the hesitancy to work the case is that it, it was when it was because otherwise none of it makes sense. And I mean, at every turn, in fact, it just sounds more and more suspicious. I mean, Here's where I, I would I go. Know. I would I I would get her in, and I would start questioning her. I'd say, "What? Which one of these statements were you telling the truth? Which right. one of these? Because we've got bits and pieces from these multiple different statements, and we could put these bits and pieces together. And bits of this was true, and bits of this was true, and bits of this because we have physical evidence. We have things that we can back up with the story. So she's filling in the rest of the story with bullshit, trying to get herself out of the story. She's involved." Someone died while she was there. She said she was physically involved with this person. They got into an altercation. There is physical marks on her. And then a dead body happens. Like you've got to So let me answer. That. Michael Hendricks said, who was she disputing with again? So, well, two things. Elizabeth, the victim was, well, she wasn't even really disputing. She had just broken up with her boyfriend and came to stay with Lizette. When Lizette made the 911 call. And so I keep referencing like, domestic violence or a domestic dispute, she was calling it in as saying like, essentially, no, we don't need paramedics. It's just like a domestic thing. Like my friend's here, but she's having a mental health thing. I'm afraid she's going to attack me. Can you guys kind of come restrain her, kind of come take her? So that was the answer to your question there. Um, Carly says that she can confirm jails wouldn't book unless it was extenuating circumstances. Um, like hitting one of my officers in a DUI. Well, that would be an extenuating circumstance. You know, I do think that 
I can't help but think that mom and son were are complicit. Yes, and I don't know if it's like if he did something to help the mom out because we have the two pieces. Like it's interesting that he provides the piece that um, about her walking down the hallway naked and telling him she loves him. I feel like that that's extra information when he didn't want to talk about anything else, which also kind of makes me feel like he was pissed that she didn't like his advances, but cause I don't know why he would have said that otherwise. Uh, cause he didn't say she was losing her mind or she was going crazy. Remember? And that's what the mom said. Like she was, you know, incoherent was not making sense. And he says, no, she just kept telling me she loved me. And so like, I ignored her and like, kind of like pushed her away, whatever. Okay. So we have that piece, which I think is interesting, but then we have the piece of mom making all those phone calls and you cannot discount that phone call where she calls the sister immediately upon Elizabeth's departure to the hospital to say she's got holes in her and she owes me money. So, you know, did the, did the, yeah, and you're right. So on failure to stop, it says maybe the police do know a lot. They just can't make a, a prosecutable case right now. That's true. I mean, we say all the time that they hold stuff back. It's just that you're right. Um, it, unless we're not privy to this, it sounds like they're not really engaging the family like they're not still working the case. So even if they don't have what it takes to make it, you know, to make to for charges right now, it doesn't sound like they're working the case at all. It really does sound like they wash their hands of it. Um, and, and in that case, I would think that they would still be processing this evidence, uh, particularly the knife that was found in the garage where essentially the fight started, or at least we were told. Uh, I feel like it just, you know, uh, gun to head. I feel like the son did something for his mother. Well, let me spitball a, a, a not so crazy idea. So we're going to take little bits and pieces and we're going to do what everybody does on the news. We're going to speculate. So every bit of everything I'm about to come out of here is just a wild ass guess straight out of my ass. Could be true. Could be just absolute bullshit. Let's just say there was someone that had some issues with Caesars and had ability to get access to this medicine and if they know that this medicine makes someone drowsy when they take it, let's say this boyfriend or this, this girl comes over. She's had issues with the ex-boyfriend. She's an exotic dancer. She's an exotic dancer with her mom's friend. Now she's over here having problems with her boyfriend. I have access to the seizure medicine. Let me go ahead and Bill Cosby, this woman, when I'm giving my advances towards her, doesn't happen. So I stab her. Now I've got a dead body. I've got someone stabbed. I got something I got to deal with. So what do I do? I get mom involved. So what's mom do? They sit there in a few minutes and they concoct this wild idea that, hey, this is the story that's going to go. This is what we're going to do. This is what we have to do. And we're just going to run with it. And they run with it. And they've got away with it for the most part because they're not processing any of the like, things that you normally do in a case. Like you're going to process. If you've got four knives, you're going to process them. Are there DNA on them? Are there bleach on there? Is there cleaning? Like there are there sources of cleaning? on There are things that you're going to look at to at least in like, like the ex boy or like the ex boyfriend, like you were saying right from the get go, you were, you said right from the get go that he was omitted as a suspect. How you have to do shit. There's things in, in, in a case that you do to either keep someone on the books and Hey, this is a person of interest or Nope, we don't really need to look at this person anymore. We don't need to invest any more investigative energy or time into this. We need to start looking at maybe I don't know, processing the knife. Let's, yeah. have, let's, put, let's put some of these people on the polygraph and, and say, hey, any one of the stories that you give, let's let's get one story on the books and let's get it for sure. This is what happened. And then we'll go right. through and pick up what where where like there's way more questions 
thin answers in this one. A hundred percent. And I think, like you said, I think that the Emmy, they had, they couldn't rule it a homicide, but they couldn't rule it a suicide either, but they couldn't rule it a homicide or they didn't rule it a homicide. If it's the end of 2020, there's riots going on. They don't have police officers are quitting in the droves. If they're not quitting in the droves, they're firing them in the droves and you can't get people to come to work and you got all the riots and all this stuff. And you have this one murder case. That's not a murder now on your stats. I, I can, I can see where they would do stuff like that, but at the same time, I don't agree with it at all. It's just, yeah, it's wild. I mean, I still think that if it was that scenario about the son, then because he got angry or tried to, you know, roofie or essentially or whatever, uh, I don't know why the mom would make them look more suspicious by calling the sister to say that she has holes in her and that she owes her money. Mm -hmm. uh, that keep in mind that the mom is then telling people the next day that she slit her throat. I mean, it's just, it's the stories are, are all over the place there. And also remember, and we will wrap it up guys, but remember the, um, the phone call or the way the Lizette sounded when they, tell her that Elizabeth has passed away and how her tone completely changes. And she saw the blood and I heard her moaning and I knew something was wrong. Well, a minute ago there was no blood and she was banging on the door. So, you know, which one is it? Um, either way, that's this our all, case. I'll put, huh? This all, this all started because she didn't get a whole lot of sleep, right? I believe so. I know where you're going with this. And our, our friend, John, has I haven't listened to this and you haven't listened to us, but he found this in the archive somewhere and sent this to us. So had she slept on a ghost bed, this might not have happened because a good night's sleep changed your life. Literally could save your life. Before we do anything at all, I want to start off the show with an excellent ghost bed ad read. I don't get to do these a lot. Folks, it is hot outside. Right now it is about 100 degrees in my garage as I do this. You have to make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. We all know that getting a good night's sleep is the most important thing. That's why here at Failure to Stop, we all love Ghostbed. They've been a loyal sponsor since the very beginning. All our fans and hosts rave about them because their mattresses are super comfortable. They last forever and a day because they were made in the United States of America, the finest mattress company on earth. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty, and you can try it out for 101 hot nights. And if you don't like it, you can send it back without any hard feelings. There certainly won't be any hard feelings in your back because these beds are so comfortable. Our favorite thing, ghost bed, is the mattress, which has the cooling technology. So when you get hot at night like I do, this will keep you cool. Right now, ghost bed's offering a cool sale. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack and use the offer code wolfpack. You can get a mattress for 0% down, 0% financing, even if you have Lastro Lopez credit. Lastro, I will keep my, sh my shirt on in this episode. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack to get a good night's sleep. Thank you, John. Thank you. Absolutely. Go on over there. We've got a few people who have recently got some more pillows and sheets and whatnot from Ghostbed. So, uh, so do it. And what do you know about Factor Meals, Dad? Besides the part where they're delicious. Oh my gosh, the smoothies that. are my favorite. So I don't have an ad read up. I've got 900 monitors in front of me. None of them are at. So I'm going to, this is on the spot. So when, let me tell you about this experience because we've had some of the other places before. The box comes, you open it up, and they're not frozen. They've got these nice cool packs nope. and it's, it's layered. And when I say efficiently packed, I mean absolutely create. You couldn't put more food in this box if you tried. You pull it out and they're not frozen. You just throw them right in the refrigerator. And on the side of the box, it has exactly what it is. It tells you, hey, this is chicken parmesan or this is the uh, 
something with rice, but it has everything listed down on the side. So you can just line them up in your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Come lunchtime, come afternoon when it's ready for lunch, go to the refrigerator, pull it out, look at it. Oh, I want this. I want chicken parm. I'm going to get chicken parm two, two and a half minutes in the microwave. You're golden. Open and shut case. Or if you want to wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning, they have these smoothie shakes and they're hundred percent organic. When I say I don't like when it says 100% organic, my wife likes to shop at Whole Foods and she'd like to put me in all the healthier stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I like the crappy stuff. So I put the crappy food. In the, this is not crappy food. This is 100% organic. Not only that, it tastes amazing. I'm very the smoothies picky. Smoothies are only like 120 calories a piece too. And it's filling. You get just enough. It's not too much. It's not too little. You don't feel hungry afterwards. It's a, I cannot say enough about it. We have our next box actually should be here. What's today? Tuesday should be here next or should be next week because we didn't get it in in time. But that's Factor Meals. Factor Meals. Wolfpack 50 will get you 50% off your first meal. It's Wolfpack 50. 50% off, guys. Five zero. And for the ghost bed, if you're in Canada and you want to get a ghost bed, it's Wolfpack, but just capital W. Well, the rest and just of move the, to the, America. Yep, they'd be much better. I mean, we, we, you have to import maple syrup, but it's all right. We don't have Justin Trudeau. <laughs> I'm fine with that. All right, guys. Well, Dead, thank you so much for not only being producer, but co-host. And I had a great time. And uh, love seeing you guys in the chats. We will be back. Uh, last call will go on tomorrow to drop Thursday. Thursday night, we got Calm Center with Drew and John. And we got Dead working the phones on that one. That's 848 uh, Calm 911. So it's 848-COMM-911. And then we've got Friday, the big breakdown show. Friday is going to be a huge show this week. Uh, Are you excited for Friday? Yeah, Sheriff Joe is going to be on here, guys. Uh, So that's going to be great with Eric and Drew on Friday. So we've got a banger week coming up. And uh, yeah, Joe Arpaio on Friday. That's right. So it's going to be great. And uh, we hope you guys have a great week. It's kind of kids are getting back to school and real life's kind of setting in and things are, uh, you know, get, getting mundane. So let's do this. Have a great night, guys. And we hope uh, you join us tomorrow.